This is Change Your Mindset Podcast, the podcast that helps change your life by helping change the mindset of the 99% into the 1% mindset. Here's your host, Adrian Gomez. Welcome to Change Your Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Adrian Gomez. Breakfast. Breakfast is the most important meal of the day. You have to have breakfast. You need to have breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And in between, you can have snacks. Since we were kids, that is how we have been taught. We were told in the morning, you need to have breakfast before school or before work. It's important. It's called the most important meal of the day for a reason. You're not going to develop well. You're not going to have a good day. You're not going to perform well if you do not have breakfast. So we are told. Thousands and thousands of years ago, breakfast really did exist. It wasn't traditional. Not everyone had breakfast. But like I said, a lot of things in this life is based off money. We do things because people make money out of it. Same thing like breakfast. So I'm going to read you an article about how breakfast ended up becoming the most important meal of the day. And I'm going to read you another article about fasting. How fasting is actually good for you, but it's not really taught. We're taught, like I said breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We're not taught to have one meal per day or fast for 16 hours and then those eight hours you can eat. We are not told this. We're not told the benefits and health benefits of intermittent fasting. And besides the health benefits, obviously weight loss is a crucial thing because now more than ever, everyone is overweight because everyone eats too much because they eat too many calories because they're having breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, things they are taught. And that's why everyone's overweight. And that's why these rich companies make so much money off people eating their garbage food. So I'm going to read you the first article. The article is from The Guardian. And this was posted in November 28, 2016 by Olga Oxman. The title is, How Lobbyists Made Breakfast the Most Important Meal of the Day. We've taught all sorts of ills to a failure to sit down to have a hearty breakfast. But research and history so that skipping our granola bowl does not, in fact, harm our health. Until very recently, common wisdom held that breakfast was the most important meal of the day. We've anecdotally tied all sorts of ills to a failure to sit down to a complete breakfast. But health research has proven that skipping that fried egg or bowl of cereal does not, in fact, lead to weight gain, health issues, or underperformance. Our reverence for breakfast is actually relatively recent. Before the late 19th century in the U.S., breakfast didn't have any particular importance ascribed to it. But all that was changed by a small group of religious fanatics and lobbyists for cereal and bacon companies. Historically, breakfast didn't come with its own list of prescribed foods, says Abigail Carroll, author of Three Squares, The Invention of the American Meal. People simply ate whatever they had around for breakfast, which was often leftovers from the night before. By the 1800s, what Americans think of as a farmer's breakfast started soaring up at the table. Eggs have always been a popular breakfast food, says Heather Anderson, author of Breakfast, A History. Chickens lay eggs in the morning and egg dishes are easy and fast to prepare. Meat that did not have to be slaughtered that day and could keep was also incorporated. Chicken was never a breakfast food, points out Arnett, as no one is going to kill a chicken first thing in the morning, but cured meat from a pig that was previously slaughtered could be. 
In the late 19th century, however, people began to worry about indigestion as the Industrial Revolution saw people move from farm labor to factories and offices, where a lot of their time was spent sitting or standing in one place. Heavy farm breakfast before work got the blame for indigestion, a major preoccupation at the time, and a lighter version became the ideal. It was around this time in the middle of a general healthier living fad that breakfast cereals got their start at sanatoriums founded by followers of the newly formed Seventh-day Adventist religion. These religious health gurus opened sanatoriums and introduced people to vegetarian diets and eating bland, whose wheat as a way to counter ill health. The first cereal, invented by James Caleb Jackson and the better known Kellogg's brand, invented by John Harvey Kellogg, were both born at sanatoriums. Jackson was a preacher and Kellogg a religious man who believed that masturbation was the greatest evil, which bland, healthy foods like cornflakes could prevent. Both Jackson and Kellogg were early Seventh-day Adventists, further tying a sense of religious morality into their ideas around the importance of healthy eating. Using moralizing rhetoric to sell the idea of a healthy breakfast in the 19th century changed how people thought about the meal, says Carol. That moralization wasn't just around religion and health. It also incorporated our reverence for hard work. In the early 20th century, the idea that if you ate a lighter, healthier breakfast, you were going to be more efficient and productive at work added. Another moralizing layer, according to Carol. The cliche that breakfast is the most important meal and one with very specific food groups developed from those early days of cereal. After vitamins were discovered, it did not take long before the 1940s. Breakfast cereals were fortified and heralded as a source of every vitamin under the sun, making breakfast that much more important, according to advertisements at the time. It was also around that time that women were entering the workforce in droves during the war and needed something quick yet nutritious to feed the kids in the morning. Maternal guilt was used to market cereal as the best food to give to children and underline the importance of eating breakfast. It was a combination of fear of indigestion, religious moralization, and advertising that helped push the idea of breakfast as the most important meal of the day. But it was a campaign to sell more bacon that really solidified the idea. A public relations expert working for the Beech Nut Company, Edward Bernice, whose other claim to fame was being the nephew of Simon Freud, explored all the moralization and health fears around breakfast to help the company push its bacon. Bernays got a doctor to agree that a protein-rich, heavy breakfast of bacon and eggs was healthier than a light breakfast, and then sent that statement to around 5,000 doctors for their signatures. He then got the newspapers to publish the results of his petition as if it was a scientific study, explains Carol, that brought bacon and eggs back into fashion and added more weight to the idea that breakfast was not only very important, but medically recommended. Today, we are still mostly eating foods like cereals, bacon, and eggs, rolls, bagels, and croissants for breakfast. Dinner and lunch somehow never got the same treatment. And our adherence to the same narrow category of breakfast foods continue unabated.
It's not just the moralization that got caught up with breakfast that has changed how we see it, says Arnold Anderson. Unlike lunch and dinner, there is something about the meal that lends itself to judgment. Quote, I think that breakfast table is one place where you see the most blatant demonstrations of this human tendency to tie what one eats to who one is, end quote, says Arnett Anderson. Quote, people make their lifestyle change at New Year and every morning is like a small New Year's day, a chance to start things off in the right direction. So if you have cold pizza for breakfast, it says what sort of person you are, end quote. And that is the end of the article. So there you have it. Cereal, eggs, bacon was pushed through advertisements onto the people for profit, for money. And why they push breakfast as the most important meal of the day. They don't care about your health. They don't care about your performance. This is what it's all about. About the money. So now you know where and why breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Why they push that so hard. And why you hear that everywhere. They don't tell you the meaning behind it. They don't tell you how it started off. But you do hear everywhere it's the most important meal of the day. Because that is what you told. And people don't do their own research. And people don't think for themselves. People just hear things and they go with it. They don't question it. And that's a lot of people in society nowadays. But now you know how breakfast became the most important meal of the day. So the next topic, like I said, was going to be intermittent fasting. Unfortunately, it's not talked about a lot in schools or you don't hear it occasionally, but you do hear it from time to time. But there's, like I said, besides weight loss, there's a lot of benefits that come from intermittent fasting. Summary of the article, it was published by Men's Health on July 7, 2020 by Jeff Cassisteri. Title is, Seven Intermittent Fasting Benefits That Aren't weight loss. Most people try fasting with one goal in mind, losing weight. But science has also discovered health benefits linked to whole day, alternate day, and time-restricted fasting, says Carolyn Williams, PhD. The registered dietitian that helped develop the new book, The Men's Health Guide to Intermittent Fasting. Scientists speculate that the benefits of short-term fasts may come from the structured break that provide to around-the-clock eating. Quote, Even if you don't change the content of your diet, by controlling the time period in which your calories are consumed, you give your body a pause from a constant onslaught food. End quote, says Williams. Maybe you're skeptical, but Williams says that at first, she was too. She studied the research, she looked at the data, she even tried a time-restricted fast herself. Quote, I expected the fast to affect my blood sugar because I'm prone to low blood sugar, and I know how I get without eating, end quote, Williams says. But Williams says she was surprised to find that she had no trouble going 16 hours without eating. Her method, she stopped eating after dinner and fasted from 7 p.m. to 11 a.m., following the popular 16-8 intermittent fasting pattern which leaves an eight-hour-long window for eating. Quote, I find I'm really not hungry, in fact. Sometimes I have to remind myself to eat lunch, end quote. William says, While more research is needed to determine if fasting is effective for long-term dieting, there's no debate that it works in the short term. 
by refraining from eating for at least 12 hours, ideally 16, your body starts burning through glucose and can begin tapping fat for fuel, explains Williams. Studies show that you can expect to lose between 3 and 8% of your body weight in as few as 3 weeks. Compared to calorie restriction diets, intermittent fasting tends to trigger more belly fat loss, the research suggests. Anecdotally, William says she senses greater energy and improved clarity of thought. Here are some other potential upsides of intermittent fasting, each supported by research. Intermittent fasting may help maintain muscle. Whenever you strike calories and lose weight, some of that weight comes from a reduction in muscle mass. That goes for intermittent fasts as well as traditional calorie restriction diets. However, at least one study conducted by the Department of Kinesiology and Nutrition at the University of Illinois suggested that intermittent fasting may be more effective for retaining muscle mass. The study compared overweight and obese adults who followed a calorie restriction diet with similar weight subjects who restricted calories through intermittent fasting. After 12 weeks, the researchers found both diets to be equally effective in trimming body weight and fat mass, but less muscle was lost by the group that fasted. Intermittent fasting may target belly fat. Overweight people who could choose any 10-hour time frame to eat as long as they refrained from eating the other 14 hours of the day saw a reduction in waist circumference and visceral abdominal fat after 12 weeks, according to a report in the journal Cell Metabolism. Intermittent fasting may reduce diabetes risk. The study in cell metabolism reference above also demonstrated the potential of intermittent fasting to reduce risk of metabolic diseases such as type 2 diabetes and heart disease. All the participants in the study were diagnosed with a metabolic syndrome, a cluster of health conditions, including high blood sugar, excess abdominal fat, high blood pressure, and abnormal cholesterol or triglycerides levels that occurring together boost the risk of type 2 diabetes, stroke, and heart disease. After 12 weeks, every participant experienced improvement in all of the common markers of metabolic syndrome. A similar study in the journal Translational Research found that alternate day fasting in which participants restricted calories by 75% on a fast day followed by a feed day without calorie restriction resulted in clinically significant reductions in blood sugar and insulin resistance. Intermittent fasting may lower high blood pressure. A study published in Nutrition and Healthy Aging demonstrated that participants who participated 16-8 intermittent fasting without calorie counting significantly reduced their systolic blood pressure compared to a control group after 12 weeks. Intermittent fasting could fight inflammation. Inflammation is your body's natural way of fighting off infection, illness, and injury. But there's another type of inflammation, a chronic inflammation that can silently trigger heart disease and diabetes. Smoking, mental stress, and a regular diet of fatty, fried, or sugary foods are common causes. Several studies have shown that intermittent fasting may induce an anti-inflammatory effect 
that reduces risk of those metabolic diseases and even improve pulmonary function in people with asthma. What's more, a reduction in inflammation due to short-term fasting appears to protect the brain from memory disorders and depression, according to a study in obesity. Intermittent fasting may reduce oxidative stress. Even when you don't lose weight while on an intermittent fasting routine, your cells may benefit from extra protection according to a study in cell metabolism. The study assigned men with prediabetes to either a 6-hour early eating period where they could eat only from 8 a.m. until dinner before 2 p.m., fasting the rest of the day or a 12-hour feeding period. At the end of five weeks, the researchers found that the men on the early time-restricted fast improved blood pressure and insulin sensitivity, as expected, but also improved resistance to oxidative stress, where unstable molecules called free radicals can damage proteins and DNA. Intermittent fasting may help you live longer. Rodent studies suggest that intermittent fasting, which is much easier to maintain than extreme calorie cutting, may boost lifespan too. In one study comparing rats who were given unrestricted access to food to rats who were fed every other day. The rats who fasted lived 83% longer than those who gorged themselves. And that's the end of the article. Like I said before, it's all about money. If you were taught about intermittent fasting, you would not be eating as much. You would not be having breakfast, lunch, and dinner and your snacks. But big companies and corporate companies uh, do fast food. They don't want to know about intermittent fasting because they lose money. They won't make as much money if people aren't eating all the time. But unfortunately, nowadays, people don't care about their health. People just eat nonstop. When they crave food, when the stomach growls, they're going to eat. People don't have self-control anymore. People don't have discipline. People just don't care anymore. That's why I'm giving you facts like this. How breakfast was made up and how it was pushed out for people to go buy bacon, eggs, and cereal for profit, for money. Set intermittent fasting, which is healthier, and I just said benefits of intermittent fasting. There's so many of them, but people just decide not to do this. People decide to eat around the clock, and that's their decision. That's their right. That's their freedom. They can choose to eat or not. That is up to them. That is their choice. By all means, they can do whatever they like. But if you know the facts and if you know that breakfast was made up and how intermittent fasting is actually healthy for you and you still decide to eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner, that's up to you. That's your choice. As long as you know the facts and you know everything, then the choice you make is up to you. You have to live with that choice. For myself, I do do intermittent fasting on days I do not work out. I always practice what I preach. I don't just say things and not do them. Intermittent fasting really does help you. And if you're trying to lose weight, intermittent fasting does work. You will lose weight. Now that you know the facts, how breakfast was made as the most important meal of the day, and now that you know intermittent fasting does work, does have a lot of benefits, with the knowledge you just gained, what you decide to do with it is up to you. You would like to incorporate that's great. You'll have a better life. You'll be healthier. You'll live longer. And you have a lot more benefits. 
If you do not want to, that's up to you. If you want to keep eating whatever you want to eat, have breakfast, lunch, and dinner, totally up to you. Whatever you decide, it's your choice. Like I said, you have the knowledge now. What you decide to do with it is up to you. Thank you guys for listening to this podcast. As always, I truly appreciate it. Thank you, Patreon member Blade262, for being a Patreon member and helping support this podcast. As always, if you'd like to be a Patreon member, the link will always be in the descriptions below. As always, please subscribe, comment, share with other people. It does help grow this podcast, and it does help the algorithm showing people that this podcast is actually good, <laughs> and, and it does help the podcast. So I wish you guys the best. I wish you healthy lives, and I hope you guys become the best version of yourselves. Thank you guys again. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Change Your Mindset Podcast. Be sure to tune in every week for a new episode. As always, change your mindset to change your life.